0: To kick off a sermon that I have titled The Big Picture. The Big Picture is right at the beginning of the year, we often wrestle with what is it that God has called me to do. So I have a I've got passions, I've got giftings, I've got dreams, and then I've got a job and I've got a family and I've got hobbies and things that I do, and then I go to a church and I serve God, and sometimes it feels like a whole bunch of individual things that I do not fully comprehend the big picture of it. I don't know if you've, I think you've all heard the story of this elephant that walks into a village and six blind people want to work out what an elephant looks like. So one blind person goes and takes the trunk and the other takes the leg and the other takes the tusk and the other takes the tail and each one of them think that, hey, they have the picture of what an elephant looks like. But who knows, there is a bigger picture of what an elephant looks, looks like. And I today want to share a kingdom vision of what God has inaugurated a long time ago, what God is doing today, and what God is continue, continuing to do, and your role that you play in it. So you may be sitting here today, not too sure, Lord, what is it, what does it mean to follow you, to be an apprentice of you and a disciple of you? What what is it, God, that you've given me to do when I wake up in the morning? It can't just be to get up and go to work. What is that bigger picture that you have for my life? And one of our values as a church is kingdom living. I know every year we try and get a sense of what God is saying for the year and we may put something up on the screen like last year we had the theme as for me in my house. Those words will keep changing but visions seldom, not visions, values seldom change and our value as a church is kingdom living and this morning I want to talk about a kingdom vision, what it means to live kingdom and how this is applicable for you. So today I have a whole bunch of graphs and pictures that I want to put up. You may be running on a treadmill this week listening to the sermon. I'm going to encourage you not to just listen to this via podcast, but actually go to the YouTube channel because I have some pictures that I would like to put up this morning that will hopefully help explain this kingdom vision, okay? Pictures help, right? So let's try. Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 15 said this, Jesus went to Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. If you read the gospels, you will hear this phrase often, the kingdom of God. Or in Matthew, he uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 4, Jesus again says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And then his disciples go to Jesus and and say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And we all know this prayer well. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And then he mentions the phrase again, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does the kingdom mean? When Jesus keeps referring to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, you and I are supposed to pray a prayer that says, let your kingdom come. What is this kingdom? Who is this king that has A kingdom, how would you define the kingdom of God? So yeah, let's get a little bit technical. And I think throughout this year, this is going to be one of the, the themes that I'm going to bring. This is hopefully a vision that you're going to get of a kingdom vision. So the kingdom of God simply means God's rule. The kingdom of God simply means God's rule. So present and active in the life of Jesus. When Jesus comes, the kingdom of God came. So the kingdom of God is the place where the king rules. Okay, you need to focus. The kingdom of God is the place where the king rules. Let's say it a different way. The kingdom is the manifestation of God's ruling presence. The manifestation of of God's ruling presence. So what does that mean for me today? When we say the coming, let your kingdom come, this is what we're saying. The coming of the kingdom is the becoming present of the rule of God. God's ultimate rule, which will take place at the end of the age, breaks through into this present moment. And for all of you that like different tenses, this is where when we talk about the kingdom, it gets confusing. So God's future kingdom we know we pray, God, let your kingdom come. The future kingdom of God, the end of the age when his kingdom comes, the final rule of God comes, was started when Jesus came. So that the God's future rule was inaugurated in Jesus' ministry. And we call this the already kingdom. But without putting an end to this present evil age, we still are saying things like, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. So we live in the not yet kingdom. So here's a phrase that I need you to learn. The already but not yet. God's kingdom has come already, but it hasn't fully come. And we say, in God, let your kingdom finally come. Jesus will again, at the end of this age, establish God's kingdom on earth in fullness and finality. So we live in this end time tension, the already and the not yet of God's kingdom. So let me keep explaining this. I like the Lord's Prayer because this, the second line, that says, well, not the second line, the fourth line, that says, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done. This is something that we should be trusting for, that God's kingdom, which is his rule, his reign, his will be done. So there are times when we say, God, let your will be done In this moment, let your kingdom come right here and right now. So we've got to put on a a kingdom lens. And when we have a kingdom lens or kingdom theology, we look at everything differently. We even read scripture differently. And why I say that is because we even have to look back at what has been maybe the dominant common message that gets spoken about in church. So here is a phrase. And I will I will title it the, the Western Protestant Evangelical Gospel that says this Jesus died on the cross so that I can have my sins forgiven, so that when I die, I will go to heaven. Now, when you look at that phrase, is there anything wrong about that phrase? Yes, yeah, so there's definitely emphasis on me, me language, but Every line of this phrase is 100% true. Everything there is 100% true. But I wanna talk about a reduced gospel versus a full gospel message. So the reduced gospel narrative says this. Right in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve and he said to them, I want you to rule and have dominion. Here is a kingdom mandate to rule and reign. Then we see the fall take place and humanity is lost in sin. And what the reduced gospel does is it jumps all the way to the solution. So what is the solution? The cross. Jesus came and died for your sins. And then we say, wow, that's awesome. And when we look at the the cross, there are these different metaphors for the atonement, which we're not going to get into today. But then we have this redeemed humanity that is waiting to go off to eternity. And what is eternity? Is eternity just this lofty, eternal place, this disembodied place where we just float on the clouds and play on harps and are bored and sing worship songs all day? What is this place called heaven? Now, the full gospel says this. Again, God created man and woman in his image. We see the fall take place and we see the consequences of sin. But now, instead of just jumping to the solution, we have to look at the story of Israel. God chooses a nation to bring about his kingdom on earth. But who knows if you've read the Bible, Israel doesn't do a great job. And then the climax of Israel is the the story of Jesus. Now instead of just jumping to Jesus on the cross, we need to go back and look at what Jesus taught, what his message was, what his purpose was, and what he demonstrated, what he lived out. And yes, he's at the cross, and we see he is resurrected and he ascends to heaven. And then we see this empowered church, this body of believers. And Jesus says, I need to go so that my spirit will come upon you. And he pours out his spirit on the empowered church. And the church has a mandate to usher in the coming kingdom here on earth, this redeemed humanity to, to allow the age to come. And here we talk about Revelation 21 that says the new heaven and the new earth. Have you all read Matthew? Not Matthew, Revelation 21. So again, let's keep explaining this. The rule of God and the progress of God can be explained in a chiasm. This is the letter X in the Greek alphabet. And biblical writers would use this to explain the rule of God, and this is done by using these outer brackets that correspond with each other. So, letter A corresponds with letter A, B corresponds with B, C corresponds with C, but the purpose of a chiasm is the central focus point, which is D. It is all about the center person, which I hope you all know the answer to. Let's see. So right in Genesis two again, we have creation. And if you read the end of the Bible in Revelation 21, we have the new creation. There in Genesis one, God makes Adam and Eve and they don't get it right. And then he sends Israel as humanity to continue his purpose on earth. Just at the end of the world, we see this new humanity this new creation that God has purposed to bring his kingdom. Israel, as I explained a little bit, didn't get it right, and then God used the remnant, who also didn't get it right. Then Jesus, who is the central figure, the person who this whole story is all about, the person that holds it all together, comes, and he is known as the son of man, the the servant of Yahweh, and he takes 12 disciples, 12 disciples representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and then we've got the 70, the wider group of disciples, and then we have the, group, the 120, and the 120 represents those that are in the upper room, and then God pulls His Spirit out on the 120 that become 3,000, then 5,000, and then we have the church. This is the picture, the big picture of what God did up until the center point of Jesus and what God is trying to do in bringing the in new creation. So, the mandate of the gospel is for the church to usher in the new humanity before the end of the age comes. And Jesus, before he leaves, he gives us a great commission and he says, All authority has been given to me. And he says, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of age. So there is this, sorry, I'm clicking away without knowing. There is this picture of Jesus. And one of the important things that we have to do as a church, is we have to go back and we look, have to look at the ministry of Jesus, the calling of Jesus, what his purpose was, what he taught. Who knows, we all have a version of Jesus that we just love. So in this next term, not next Sunday, the Sunday after, we're gonna start a new sermon series called Jesus Rediscovered. Fresh discoveries about who Jesus really was, his purpose and calling, his mission, and his message. Jesus said things that will offend you. Jesus did things that will shake you. Jesus didn't just come and proclaim the coming kingdom, he came and demonstrated the kingdom. And he has a purpose and a calling for us as his redeemed community, the role of the church. So we're going to all do a Bible reading plan. Starting in February, we're going to all read through the Gospel of John together. And it's gonna take us six weeks. And I know you can read it probably in a few days, maybe a day even. The point is to spend time slowly looking at Jesus, what he said, how he behaved, how he responded to religious leaders, how he responded to sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors, what are some of the things he said? What was his ministry? This is gonna lead us all the way up to Easter, to his death and his resurrection and his ascension. This is going to impact and influence us as the church the embodied, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, our purpose is not just to get people saved so we can start off pursuing God and there may be people here today that are on the journey of just discovering who Jesus is. Then you discover Jesus and you hopefully make a decision to follow him as your Lord and you become born again. So you're born of the flesh and then you become born again spiritually. You're born into the kingdom. But that's not the end. The end is then then to acquire the rules and culture of God's kingdom, to listen to the word, to obey the word, to, to live it, not just to be hearers. And then the part that gets challenging to all of us is to manifest the intentions of God here and now. Where you live, in your school, in your varsity, in your place of work, to bear the fruit of the kingdom. And this is where comfortable Christianity gets challenged. I always say it's comfortable just to come to church and listen to another message. It's comfortable just to meet in a life group and talk about the Gospel of John. But it's another thing to be the hands and feet of Jesus where he has planted you and placed you. And not just to proclaim the good news, but to demonstrate the good news, to demonstrate the kingdom. So look at the life of Jesus. He goes and he prays for people and demons get exorcised. The sick get healed. Sinners are forgiven. Those previously excluded are welcomed to his table. Sinners and Gentiles and women and children. And the richly The richly impure are cleansed and the justice, justice is brought to the poor and the dead are raised and the creation begins to come under the rule of God. This is the inauguration of the new creation breaking in. So the problem comes is that we have to deal with being bored in our faith. So this picture of this new age, before Christ, we then become saved and we start this journey of spiritual formation. And this journey can be slow of, you know, Dan spoke about crucifying the flesh and walking by the spirit. Becoming more Christ-like can be a slow journey. But this is not just the goal to, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. The goal is to bring the rule and reign of God into this earth to be ambassadors that are living for something more than just my job I go to and the family I have and the the hobby I do on the weekend. There is a kingdom mandate that you are all invited to participate in. One day the end will come. I have said this previously. We are living in the end times and that started when Jesus came and his spirit was poured out on the flesh. Biblically, that inaugurated the end days. And we are waiting till the time when Jesus says enough is enough and his kingdom comes. But up until that day, we get to participate in building the kingdom. Jesus says, I will build my church. You are to usher in the kingdom of God, to extend his kingdom. And when we talk about kingdom, as I said, it is complicated. There are four different tenses when we talk about the kingdom. The kingdom will come in the future, the kingdom is now present, the kingdom is near and at hand, and the kingdom has been delayed. So the kingdom is always simultaneously near, present, delayed, and future. But this will change how we pray. So we prayed last Sunday for someone and who is struggling with a disease. And my prayer is that Jesus, this disease is not in heaven. So I want your kingdom, your rule and reign to break through now into this present moment and heal this body. So the way that I pray for the sick is I say, Jesus let your kingdom come into this body. Let the reign, the rule of God come into this body where there is no sickness and disease and pain and all that anymore. And sometimes we see a demonstration of the breaking in of God's kingdom and someone gets healed. In that moment, we say God's kingdom came. God's kingdom broke in, the already and the not yet. And other times we live and we pray for someone and God's kingdom doesn't break through and they don't get healed. But we still keep praying for God's kingdom to come and His will to be done. This will change how you pray for people. This will change how you see your vocation. This will change how you spend your time. And there is an invitation for you today to participate in the building of God's kingdom, the big picture of why you are here. Why do we meet as Christians? The kingdom is advancing and you are invited to respond, to repent, to believe and to follow. We are invited into a story that is bigger than ourselves and bigger than this earth, this broken world that we live in. No matter what your background is, Jesus can make something beautiful out of it. Jesus can change you, conform you into the image of the Son. He will transform us into citizens of God's kingdom that we would truly become fishermen of men. And Jesus invites all who are open and hungry for a kingdom to come and for us to choose daily to follow him. This could be your year to live in radical obedience and experience God's unimaginable plans for our lives. If I have to be honest, I think many people are bored in their faith. They're bored in not risking much in their Christian walk. And maybe we need to get to that place and move closer to what Jesus is doing in the world. When last has your heart started beating fast because you feel God asking you to do something that you're not comfortable doing? When last have you poured your life discipling someone or sharing the good news or laying hands on the sick and trusting that God would heal them? See, we can do what some Christians do. And here's the danger. We say, oh no, one day when God's kingdom comes, then this will all be sorted out. So we don't pray for the sick. We don't try to cast our demons. We don't preach the good news because one day when God's kingdom comes, then that will happen. I want us to be expectant and believe that God's kingdom can break through in our moments in this point of time when we become his ambassadors in his hands and feet. He said, all authority has been given to you, now Go. He says, you can do, Jesus says to his disciples, you can do what I did and more. But comfortable Christianity just comes and says, your goal is to just sit in church on a Sunday and hear a good sermon and enjoy the now expensive scones. (laughs) See, our culture encourages us to live for ourselves and for our own thriving, but Jesus invites us to live for a mission that is bigger than ourselves. He invites us to be part of His mission and His kingdom. See, our vision as a church is for us to live in the way of Jesus, for us to live as people who have a vision of God and a, and a kingdom vision of what God is currently doing in this nation. And He invites us to journey and be a part of establishing His kingdom. See, I want us to catch a hold of a vision that is bigger than just going to your workplace, but you catch a vision of kingdom which says this. When you wake up in the morning, you say, Jesus, I want your will to be done today in and through me. So when I step into that office, I want my life to be salty and make people go, hmm, there's something different about you. I want to be the light that when I go in to my wonderful work colleagues. Now, I'm speaking as you. I have wonderful work colleagues that are all saved. But if you walk into your place of work, you want the light of Jesus to shine. You want His will to be done through you. To say, Jesus, how do I love my work colleagues, my varsity friends, my students that I'm at school with? Lord, when I go into that meeting, what is it you want me to say to this person? Do you have a word of encouragement that I can share for them? Jesus, give me boldness today to when my colleague says I've got a headache, to say, do you mind if I just pray for your headache? Yeah, that's, that's risky. Because I've got a reputation and I, and I don't wanna look like that radical extreme person laying hands on people. Maybe you're working from home and this all seems a little bit irrelevant for you because you're just working online. You know, there's, there's ways for you to participate in the advancing of God's kingdom. There are wonderful ministries in this church that you can get involved in. You probably stay in a house that has a neighbor next door to it or a complex or family members. See, I want us to ask this question, what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God above all else? Do we know what that means? Above all else to seek His kingdom If we are to be honest, there are many other things that we seek first before the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The rule and reign of God. Jesus, I want your will to be done. This is our prayer. What does it look like to be kingdom seeds? Then he works for a school. What school do you work for? House. Newton House. Newton House. God so loved Newton House that he sent Danny to be a seed of the kingdom. Tim, what company do you work for? Accenture. Accenture. God so loved Accenture. He must have really loved Accenture. <laughs> to, give him, to give them you. You don't just have a job, an eight to five job. You have an opportunity to be a seed of the kingdom. And what does a seed of the kingdom do? It grows, it becomes this tree of righteousness that produces fruit. For others to come and find shelter and eat of the fruit and say, wow, taste and see that there is a God and he is good. That I get up every day saying, I'm living on mission today. Not the Synergy mission team is going to Lesotho on a mission trip in August next year, but today I get to live on mission. And I get to participate in extending God's kingdom. You get to pray this really dangerous prayer. Lord, today let your kingdom come and let your will be done in my life. What does your will look like for me today? And that early church had to pray for boldness we're getting to a point where we also have to start praying for boldness to do this. As I said, God's shaking up comfortable Christianity. I want to just say to you, if you want comfortable Christianity, there might be another church down the street for you because I think God is stirring something up in this church. And there, there is, we believe, a harvest that is coming in in the time and space that we live in. And that harvest is not just going to walk through those doors. You are going to reap the harvest. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Guess who the laborers are? He has called some apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists to equip the saints, you, for the work of the ministry. Please change this idea that the pastors must do the work of the ministry. We will come together on a Sunday. We will stir one another up. We gotta teach through the fresh revelation of what Jesus is. We gotta sing some songs. We gotta to fellowship together but you're gonna walk out this building saying I am now entering the mission field when I walk out those doors. And the Spirit of God lives in me and he has given me a purpose and a calling to go and extend his kingdom. A big picture, his kingdom coming, his kingdom breaking through now through you. And this is not go and do it by yourself. This is empowered by the Holy Spirit.